Hot off the presses from the Wall Street Journal, there has never been a worse time to buy a house instead of rent. Is that good news for the apartment market? Definitely for the long term. The short term, we shall see. Also on the Gray Report today, piece from Real Page, which markets could be most and least impacted by apartment construction, something we're talking about all the time, just all the supply that's coming online, how that's going to affect the real estate industry. And then another piece from Freddie Mac, millennial household formation, potential for another 3 million households. Finally, millennials are getting married and having kids. Who would have known? That's Matt and I. It happens sometimes. All right. Well, if you're a multifamily investor, active, passive, anywhere between, or just you're in the industry and you want to learn more, this is a YouTube show and podcast that we put together, especially for you. You're in the right spot. Make sure you're subscribed to the Great Capital YouTube channel. You're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts so you stay up to date. You don't miss a one single golden nugget of information. We've got Dr. Matt Bosnagle here once again, producing a great show. You're going to want to stick around. We've got a little bit of a shorter show, so there's no excuse not to watch the whole thing. Condensed. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the report, Dr. Matt Bosnagle. We are reporting live from beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, in the great oh, yeah. capital headquarters. It's been a fun day. Yeah. I've been talking it's to investors day. all day. I know it's you've been day. so busy. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's been fun. But I'm like, yeah. and Matt's like, maybe, he's like, maybe Addison can do the great report. He's like, we got to get out of here. It's getting late in the day. Wouldn't be the same. They did. <laughs> Addison does a great, Addison does a great job. Um, but we have too much fun. And right. um, fortunately, our wives are uh, <laughs> being accommodating yeah, yeah. enough. So, um, so shout out to Liz and Alex. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. shout out. There we go. I'll, I'll show them this clip. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think Liz has gotten a shout, shout out on the I show. I don't know if she's, I don't know if she's, she's watched a, it before. <laughs> so we'll have to introduce her to it. <laughs> Does she know? Does she know you do a, a uh, I think, I think she knows. Do yeah, your yeah, kid, yeah. do your kid, do your oh, boys the, know? My kids know more than my wife. That's yeah, a, yeah. That's for sure. My kids think that this is like the job. Yeah, you know what? After you said that, it was like, oh, you know what? I think that that's seventy percent of what my kids think I do. Today, yeah, so. yeah. Which is, it's not not what we do. Well, now they're giving me tips on you know this is what you got to grab their attention first. Out, you got to have the thumbnail. Yeah. All right, I'm taking notes because you have to listen to the they they, yeah. they know they're plugged in. Although I've taken YouTube away from my kids. Yeah, yeah. Like it's too, oh it's, yeah, it's yeah. too the, they the, yeah gets its claws. It does. But um, one of our our student interns, Yaya, she was um she's a high school student at mm -hmm. a local high school. Um, it's kind of like a work study program. She was giving us some. Good social media tips. Ooh, nice, yeah. On what the Gen Zs are looking um, at, because we were going over. We have a new kind of marketing initiative on on our property management side at Great Residential. Um, great new person, uh, Ellie down in Bloomington. She's doing a lot of our marketing. But I'm like, yeah, yeah. What are the Gen Zs? Yeah. <laughs> what are all the Gen Z kids doing? Because from my perception, they're not. It's no longer looking for a good aesthetically pleasing photo it's mm -hmm. like out of focus at a strange angle oh yeah yeah there's a whole aesthetic yeah. that i don't understand but gen z's you know they're that that renter demographic that's moving up and it's you true. have to be able to kind of speak their language yeah speaking of gen z renters matt oh yeah speaking of gen z renters there's never been a worse time to buy instead of rent for millennials for gen zers gen zers maybe a little young are they going to be stuck you know as you said mm -hmm. you know, as you said maybe you know a, a permanent uh, I don't know, underclass, but just, the, are they going to be yeah. stuck at renters for life? Well, you know, permanent renter underclass is like the key word that, you know, that we've heard, um, you know, when people talk about it is, uh, underclass, um, politically correct. 
No, 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 it's politically charged. That's why that's okay. what gets the clicks. Uh, but but it is this idea that, uh, you know, a certain group, because of high home prices, they are put off from uh, from buying a home and they are choosing to remain renters. Um, and, and I note this elsewhere, but, I'll, you know, I'll just talk about it right now. We've heard this since really like the beginning of the pandemic when home prices started to rise. Yeah. Uh, you know, they really rise violently and put some people off because they didn't they couldn't make that down payment. Um, and now we're st- the the discussion still continuing because of uh, now it's mortgage rates, you know, whereas before it was just simple home prices. Now it's mortgage rates. And and also the fact that home prices really haven't gone down in a way that would like uh, compensate for yeah. the uh, increased interest rates which, you know, that's a lot of the same thing happening in the multifamily market. Um, but there, we have also been, just as much as we've been talking about these barriers to home um, to home ownership, we've talked about the disconnect between home prices and rents. Um, you know, Redfin used to have like a, a useful comparison, yeah. um, but that, that kind of fell off. And there were other sources that were actually from a very early point in, in the recession, they were like starting to track this. And like, this has been a discussion really ever since home prices started started taking off in earnest around the end of 2020. Well, you know, it's uh, it, it kind of flies counter to the narrative, um, which in both things can be are true, mm-hmm. are that, you know, the rents is too high. Rents are way too expensive yeah. and the rents need to come down. Um, but then when you look at into, you know, relative to the whole universe and housing market, mm-hmm. what are your alternatives? Rents actually seem relatively cheap. But again, like try telling that to anybody who's yeah. running an apartment, especially last year, that mm-hmm. doesn't seem very cheap, even with rent growth you know negative year over year yeah it's one percent negative over like 20 30 40 percent increase from a couple of years ago yeah yeah that's true like they don't people haven't really yet forgotten those previous increases and no. it's still on an absolute basis you know uh really really high um and just looking at the history is is pretty persuasive to see that we are in a period in which um, home prices are so much more expensive than rents. But uh, that being said, I was curious a little bit about how they got this number. And the common thing, the, I know it's it's a little bit of a caveat, but but I think that the graph that's supplied in Wall Street Journal, like that's mo- more persuasive than what I'm about to say, which is to say that like yes, you can tell that it's highly abnormal. What, however you formulate it, it, it we are entering a, we are entering a, a period in which home prices have never been more expensive relative to rents. Now. The way they figure this is a little bit tricky because they are com- combining median home prices with an average uh, apartment unit rent. Now, the average apartment unit is not three bedrooms, mm-hmm. and a medium home is three bedrooms, 3.38 or something like that. But um, So if you kind of equal it, so the medium home square footage is 2273. Um, that's as of 2021. The average apartment unit square footage for a three-bedroom is um 1367 so it's about 60 percent the size of a um of a of a home of a single family home so roughly speaking apartments are you know 39.9 percent smaller but in my formulation then compared to the median mortgage cost which was 3200 the median rent is 2100 so i did the math there if you're equaling out the comparable apartment is 39.9% 39.9% smaller, but it's only 33.5% cheaper. Okay. If you kind of, fa- but that does not factor in the maintenance costs and just the other is kind of upkeep and the amenities. And there's like all a lot of other things that make, um, you know, maybe like usable space, convenience. There's a bunch of other stuff associated so, so, with it. So a- not apples to apples comparison. Not, not, not exactly. Not here, but the general sense and the takeaway is, is, is true. It doesn't necessarily, because you're saying on yeah, one hand, yeah. it's like, okay, 
you get in a smaller space in an apartment, so mm-hmm. like that makes sense. But at the same time, there's a lot of costs and, associated with owning. A house. And what the Wall Street Journal by factoring this in over time, what they have said is, you know, depending on where that that equilibrium, you know, we're we're well off of it. You know, maybe there is a premium to being able to move out in in either, either way. They're 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 taking the same statistic, or they're using the same metrics over time. It, yeah, it's all yeah. still relative. So again, mm-hmm. so like the the formula, it's like looking at unemployment. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah, we can agree that like the the U the U six or you whichever method of measuring unemployment is mm-hmm. maybe flawed, but if we're using the same measure, it can be at least relative. You know, until yeah, we, yeah. If you see the, the big uh, you know the big increase in that line graph, then you know something's unusual. It's still yeah. It's like yep. okay, yeah, empl- unemployment may be higher, yep. but it is it's lower than it was at this point mm-hmm. when you're measuring the same thing. And, and also what I really thought was really interesting and it made me want to expand this even further into the past, uh, this this chart we have of, of the uh, difference between home prices and rents is um, is that there there's definite periods in which you know things were more expensive or things were cheaper if you were a renter. So from '96 till the end of 20 uh, or till the end of 2002, buying a home was cheaper than renting in the in their formulation. And then from 20, 2003 to 2010, renting was cheaper. Um, you know the it's a great great housing crisis and and it you know it kind of reared its ugly head. Um, and then from 2010 to 2020. Outside of two quarters in, in 2018, where renting was cheaper for those 10 years, it was cheaper to buy a home than it was to rent. And there's, you know, the 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 effects of the downturn in home prices. Um, again, there's some ups and downs in 2020 and 2021, but the definitive definitive trend happens at the start of 2022, where home ownership goes from negative 1% cheaper than renting all the way up to 20% more expensive. We've had two years, according to the data in the CBRE article, where rents are cheaper. And in the span of time, you know, previous was 10 years where homes were cheaper. Now rents are cheaper. And then the last time that rents were cheaper, it was they had seven years where rents were cheaper. You know, when I see this graph, man, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think with a couple of things. One, there's a lot of 2006 references that we're finding today. Yeah. Um, whether that is the the previous all-time spread between cap cap rates and the 10-year treasury, yeah. which is in 2006. Um, I mean, 2006 in general was, you know, peak real estate prices, you know, before the great financial crisis. Yeah. And so it, it, it kind of makes sense. Also, at a period of where... Um, according to this chart, apartments were the most expensive, you know, were at the least amount of discount. In fact, it, what made more sense to buy rather than rent was a great time buying apartments. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it shows it's not necessarily, you know, one that it's affordability, mm-hmm. but it's also demand. There is so much demand for single family homes right now because yeah. of millennials, because mean, of this mean, Freddie Mac article apart- we're talking yeah, about later. Apartment rents were cheaper. In, in 2006. Yeah. And yeah. And then it would, but it was still a great time even. Yeah. Yeah. But you would, but like you would not want to have been buying in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, you could That's look at this. Point, I'm yeah. just taking you taking the same data mm-hmm. and in one perspective, you could say, wow, this is great for apartments now, but it's, it's really not. It's mm-hmm. good for apartments in a couple of years from now. Once good, we get through yeah. whatever we're going to get through over mm-hmm. the next year or two, because again, it was, and then that's when the demand gets turned on. When the supply across all um, housing declines because of you know some sort of recession mm-hmm. or you know tight lending standards like we're yeah. seeing today, we're gonna see a slowdown in deliveries, man, in 2025, yeah. 2006, 25, 26. 
And, and so it's a very similar um, situation I can see rolling out of where, you know, yeah, housing prices are, have peaked, are peaking. And then if, you know, a recession happens or whatever it may be, yeah. the, when the switch gets flipped over, folks are starting to rent in more apartments because they don't think it's a good idea to buy a home for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That's when we start seeing the rent growth in apartments because the demand has increased, but we haven't built any new apartments. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, again, we're, we're, we're setting up the stage for, you know, some distress in the near term and some really good buying opportunities, you know, probably within the next six to 12 to 18 months, because there's going to be a really good environment for rent growth and operations yeah. in 2025 and onward. Yeah. Most likely. Again, that's like a little bit of crystal balling, but that that's how I see this as setting up really good long-term fundamentals. Mm-hmm. But right now today, you know, it's showing because rent growth this is, you know, has uh, stalled. Mm-hmm. Values for apartments are down 20%. Yep. Single family homes are up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I was, uh, what I was thinking about is, is the lagging effects. Now you can kind of trace, uh, interest rates as maybe a cause of some of this. There was a a brief bump in in 2018 that could have been caused by the taper tantrum or something like that. But, um, but ultimately I think of it in this way in that like, yes, home prices are that much higher. It does not mean that you're guaranteed that rents are going to go up, but I think what it does is, is give you some insulation. Um, and you, and, and we see this in the pandemic where, um, where apartment rents did not crash like home prices did. And really the story of, um, it being cheaper to buy a home during that time post crisis is because rents just stayed stable. It, it, they didn't just decrease, but it was the decrease. It, it, it was, declining home real, prices yeah, yeah. home prices yeah. went down exactly yeah so yeah so there is just this fundamental stability and i don't think it's born of um owners and operators and landlords saying oh i want to i don't want to push it too far like they will push it as far as as yeah. they can that's just what they're going to do to make as much money yeah. as they can i mean and it's not like an evil thing but but i think that it is a product maybe of the fact that that there is just more price discovery going on at any one moment in the um in the renter so there's you know you have a you have 100 units in one location and you can yeah. kind of suss out what the price is rather than waiting to sell one single th- it just seems like a more of a level you're also you have a you know you have more um investors as owners mm-hmm. rather than you know owner occupants like yeah. say a lot of corporations own single family homes um but that's not really what we're talking about you know still generally the vast majority of homes are single family homes are purchased by individuals mm-hmm. and, and families and so there's just a they're they're still thinking through an economic sense they have to be able to afford to do it as to make sense they have to get underwritten by a bank yeah. But that there's there's less of you know it's not less return driven, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just less analytical, and just you know the decisions to buy and sell again are less driven by yeah economics. They can be, but it's more kind of lifestyle um, in life event. Not um, to driven. say that there is some de- part of that decision making when you're renting. Um, you may find a, an apartment that you um, that you fall in love with, but there's I think that there's got to be more choice when you're an apart when you're an apartment renter, and that's maybe yeah, one of yeah. the benefits of having a part is you kind of have a little bit more choice and mobility and and a little more say, and you can shop around more. Whereas maybe one house is going up for sale. At least especially right, right, right now, yeah. there, you got a lot of a lot of shopping opportunities it's yeah. not like there's like one new apartment building and it's like there's five new apartment buildings to choose from and mm-hmm. they're all offering concessions and, and concessions and discounts 
at yeah. lower rents than, you know, the 10-year-old property down the street. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is, a lot of options. It is crazy. And, and, and to return to, like, the main point of the article, which is just that this has – that home prices have become so much more expensive. The speed and, and the power – they've increased so quickly – in such a short period of time um, that it is it is highly abnormal. Um, in one quarter, it increased twenty percent. That took two years in the previous you know increase in prices, yeah. which was you know uh, pre uh, two thousand eight. But so kind of to return to what this may mean for apartment investors, I, I do think that it, what it might have is is that or what it might mean is that as single family home prices they may crash, they may plummet. But um, and this is, you know, if there is a housing crisis and there's an argument out there that, you know, that home prices could stabilize. But yeah, there's so much demand. I mean, again, millennials, we're going to be talking about yeah. about a bunch of house, three million households being formed here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of demand for single family. homes. There's a lot. There's good demand for housing. Mm-hmm. Um, people love to have their own home. Most people just can't afford to do that. But all apartment a lot of people like renting, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a choice. And and if from a risk standpoint, it, it certainly seems less risky. Oh, yeah, move around. Uh, I don't know. You don't yeah. worry about maintenance. I mean, there, there's so much benefits to, to renting. Yeah. I mean, um there's benefits to owning, but it means a lot more complicated. Yeah. And really, I think if you looked at it unemotionally, owning mm-hmm. doesn't make much sense. Like, it's a total emotional thing. Yeah. Like, most yeah. of the time. Not always, but, like, the reason, like, why like we own our home is mostly, like, emotional. Like, a yeah, better financial cool, decision. You want to live somewhere cool and... To have our own yeah. space and, yeah. like, because we think we want to because, yeah. you know, is it ever really ours? It's like, you know, they've got to pay property and taxes And I think that's it, a good so. point. I think that uh, that apartment renters are probably they have more hard limits on you know this is how much they can pay yeah. and if you go below that and we and, you know we've seen this in kind of the rent growth numbers there's definitely a floor and uh, but I think that because there's such a divergence the floor for rent growth is a lot higher I think th- or the potential to fall uh, mm-hmm. in rents that's not gonna they're not gonna fall quite as dramatically as yeah. houses could fall yeah yeah values in general yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because there's just there is just so much so many place to live but from a finance perspective those values can go all over the place it's crazy easy to look and i was just looking at the case shiller data which is mm. is going to be updated tomorrow so it's sad so we have so that's why latest, you wanted to do it the podcast yeah 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 that's right uh so we're two we're like a day away from the august home price data um but if you plot it from july from january to july home prices have increased like there was a period in in 2022 when the interest rate hikes first started where home prices gradually fell a little bit but they have gone right back up they've erased all of the losses and they are um they are up over on a year to year year over year basis at least in July so you think your own pal uh, you know the FOMC board mem- members they're just looking at at it and they're yeah. just they're just shaking their head and they're like how does it's gonna wait till the winter why? things will cool off <laughs> i thought all right data dependent okay yeah. and that is another factor too and and i'll discuss this in a second we're gonna get a rate hike is that uh, what you're gonna say no, well yeah no it, it does underscore just for fun the idea that that we are in it for a lot longer than other people than, than some people think this was i am not gonna get the, this was the topic that i erased but you know and another uh thing that i've been thinking about all week is this spread between apartment cap rates and and interest rates <laughs> but uh that's you know that's that's a little bit too much too much to bite off we will be here two hours but um oh, well we've got a good video yeah, on yeah. it that's coming out so subscribe to great capital youtube yeah. channel you'll it's catch it did a whole 20 minute video yeah. on it and um it's really simple it's, it's just math it's really yeah it's, it's addition and subtraction yeah. 
we are at a place that's like my how i can go yeah yeah we're in a very unusual place you see those see those home prices that are up way high kind of like that for apartment prices that's that's in, in the apartment say. prices have even come down that's the yeah. that's the crazy thing yeah. um and so it's all it's good to you know relate things to other things matt i want to talk about this real page article yeah so um which, so yeah, moving markets could be the most and least impacted by apartment construction Rents are rents are cheap, but another thing that makes them cheaper is if a new a new apartment arrives on the block. That usually, you know, new supply reduces uh, reduces demand and makes things a little bit more competitive, and so they're they're kind of lower in rents. Um, and that has been the story in 2023. Is this story, Matt, um, almost like a mic drop moment for uh, economists that have been saying for for decades, yeah, you know, to the NIMBYs out there that you know the only solution to mm. Housing affordability mm-hmm. and the housing crisis is to build more. We need to we need to build more. Yeah, and you know, people, and, and the counter of that is like you're just building luxury apartments, which largely mm-hmm. you know is true. You're not building the right the right. You're not building affordable housing, which is largely is true. All points well taken. Mm-hmm. But the effect that we are seeing because of all the apartments that have been built is a lowering of rents. Yeah, and, and increasing of affordability. You know, and and to repeat some of the things that I was thinking about. Like when I was when I was coming up with these notes and to connect it a little bit to the Wall Street Journal discussion is like apartments. Yeah, they're not exactly liquid, but they are. But it is a much more fluid market than the home sales market. And when apartments come in, it's not like they set that twenty five hundred dollar rent and then all the rents go. So they're up not and, liquid, but they're fluid. Well, <laughs> they're not completely. Like they're a semi solid. <laughs> well, I always heard someone saying um, like far they're like farmland. We consider it liquid because yeah. like we can sell in thirty days. It's it's, it's like fluid. It's quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've heard other people say, um, what, what, I forget what assets, assets they were talking about. They're like, oh, I can sell it quick. Yeah. I'm like, okay, but like, it's not, it's not really liquid. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't make a call and sell it. And they're like, well, it's liquid enough. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Liquid. relative to home, it, I, I just had this, <laughs> I, I had this image in my head of all of these apartment renting transactions happening all at once and, and how a market could be more reactive in terms of rent changing prices than maybe homes changing prices. Um, and, and like, so, so it can adapt and does adapt when new apartments come on the block, all of, you know, there are, you know, algorithms out there, there are computers that are handling it. There are people that are looking yeah. up their comps if they're, you know, if they're good, um, um, and they're and they're adjusting. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll look around. They're like, "Oh, we're only eighty percent occupied. What's happened? Oh, there's somebody new down the street. They lowered the rents." Yeah, Whoops. yeah. And and on the flip side of that, if they are eighty percent occupied, if they do lower the rents, it's it seems like magic. But like because people are so connected now. You set your rents lower than apart, and you and you're not like running a horrible looking apartment. People are yeah. gonna come, and like it's kind of a miracle that that the uh, that the market is so efficient in that way to at least communicate these price changes and bring and bring renters into into buildings. Now it's not automatic. <laughs> no, if <laughs> but, if our you know if your marketing systems and people are all doing what they're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. if you're you know ninety percent in a market that's relatively ninety five percent. You know, your your rents may be too high, or, yeah. or there's something that you're not doing. But typically, your rents are too high. Mm-hmm. If you're above 95 percent, then typically means that you could you could raise rents. You have room to raise rents. Yeah, and you know, you'd rather be you know 95 uh, percent occupied with a higher gross potential rent than you know 90 you know than 100 percent occupied with yeah. a lower gross potential rent. It's like it seems to me, you know, and you're taking it from kind of the the landlord's perspective. I'm yeah. just thinking of it in terms of the relationship between the price mm. and what people are willing to pay. That rent seem to be much closer than 
<laughs> than home uh, than a single family home. You mean what like, people can afford? Yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah. Pe- people can afford, and just like kind of adjust the adjustments that need to happen, and and the amount the amount of transactions that lead to like more efficient price discovery mm. um, for rentals. Yeah. That's oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's happening that, on a daily basis. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but and it, back to this real page article now um you know we we mentioned new supply and and that has been yes the story in in 2023 and it's going to be the story in 2024 and that's going to affect rent growth and probably going to make things more even more favorable for renters you know they can look at that expensive mortgage that they're not paying but they can also at least breathe easier knowing that um the days of record high rent growth uh, they may be over it may be more normal um normal rent growth um going forward with a little bit of a, a little bit of a bit of a break for 2024. Um, so peace from Jay Parr. Yeah, I know this is, it's good. It's, it's our friend Jay Parsons. It, it, who else, you know, and this is a familiar refrain that Jay Parsons has repeated in his work at RealPage and elsewhere, which is that apartment supply has been the determining factor for rent growth and, and multifamily performance in 2023. Um, even though there were in the wake of, uh, you know, of that huge surging rents, you know, before it was like, oh, well, we can grow our way a population growth and, and household formation and, uh, and demand is such that, you know, we can dump a bunch of new supply and it won't even matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it, it does matter. And it is a pretty causal effect where you can see, you know, the, the rent growth in, in these places with more supply for, uh, as a per- percentage of their current supply. That rent growth, you know, is a little bit worse than than those that have had less new supply, um, and that's the story that Jay Parsons has been. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's gratified to know that yeah. it came completely true. Um, there, in in for this article, it, it wasn't necessarily painting that timeline as it was picking out the groups of markets that uh, have had a lot of supply, have had a little supply, or, you know, some and everywhere really in between. He breaks it out into, I think, well, how many are there? There are five tiers, and I'll just kind of summarize them um, at first. But what what we were looking at, that big orange box in the chart, is the tier one, which is the big supply, the markets that are adding a ton of new supply, and they're well above their previous peak in apartment supply. The other unstated upshot of this, they're all past their previous peak. Most of these markets. Yeah, pretty pretty much everything is is delivering. It's not, it's not than that the, the records are being broken. It's like who's breaking the records the hardest. Good, very well. Very and well that's said. tier one, um, which includes uh, places like Austin, Raleigh, Salt Lake City, Nashville, Charlotte, Phoenix, Denver, and Jacksonville are a little Sounds bit on like the edge. But these are all darling markets for yeah. apartment investors, Matt. That are you telling me that the fifteen percent rent growth that they perform for the next three years isn't going to happen? It may not. (laughs) That's a good point. Cause and effect. These are the attractive eye-catching markets that we were talking about every single week in like 2020 and 2021 as like the darling Sunbelt markets. And, you know, I'll I'll include like Boise in there um, and and like Asheville, these these places where it was like cool looking. Yeah, the boom towns, like when they call them boom towns, a lot of the kind of those COVID, mm -hmm, like work mm -hmm. from home, um, Colorado Springs, Sioux Falls, Porn City. Lucia, Lakeland, Fort Myers, Provo, Boise, Asheville, Charleston, Savannah, Myrtle Beach, Pensacola. All sounds like good times. You yeah. Know, and, and, and as we've mentioned, you know, a, a week or, or two weeks ago, there are previous narratives of the growth of some of these markets, too, that play into it, too. Yeah. But yeah, that, they caught a lot of attention. Now they're getting a lot of supply. Um, tier two, lots of supply, but not crazy. These markets. Yeah, not crazy. <laughs> that's yeah, a, I know. It's I know. a lot, but it's not, <laughs> it's not insane. Like yeah, those we're guys. Not, we're not going crazy. Yeah. It's not like Austin or Phoenix 
politics or anything, but <laughs> yeah, and he did say, you know, markets like Dallas, Fort Worth, Seattle, which I was a little surprised about, um, Atlanta, Tampa, Miami, and Orlando. And you know, he he says this he says eh, this is a good reminder that not every Sun Belt market is building like Austin or Phoenix. Also, I think it will be interesting to see how the size of a market is correlated with their ability to bounce back from new supply. Yeah. Um. But. But that, you know, that's more of the thing. And I did also want to note the the big outlier in that first tier mm. is Huntsville, which yeah. by adding 20% of, uh, of of their current supply in one year, they, they had to adjust their Y-axis to make room for it in the uh, <laughs> It's like, oh, I saw that. I, I saw Probably gave I the designer a headache, but I... You know, I know. Like, I know. You could have fit in so much more markets. I didn't yeah. even see Indianapolis on here because yeah. of that. Well, uh, they're uh, they're in the list, but yeah, definitely not specifically named. They're now, not, they're not on them. Um, yeah. going down from... Okay. so. There are lots of supply, not crazy places like Dallas, Fort Worth, Seattle, Atlanta. More than advertised. Yeah, that's tier three, which are these markets could be breaking new supply records, but maybe just barely. You know, again, it's one degree. It's still breaking records. Don't worry. But Um, it's not. But it's just nothing to write home about. Yeah. Yeah. And these are markets where you never haven't seen them at the top of the rent growth lists either. Places like but only maybe momentarily. And then they kind of went back down. But uh, San Jose, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Newark, New Jersey. Long Island, Boston, Sacramento, San Diego, Oakland, Minneapolis, lots of Northeast and California markets, but Minneapolis in the middle there. Again, um, like big enough. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have the story of boom and bust as some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would argue none of them had the story of like continued stability, but some of these tier four, tier five, which are adding even less supply, um, maybe uh, that may be the group. Yeah. So less than advertised. So tier four is where you really see the ones that we have been mentioning, which is kind of these Midwest's markets that maybe they are breaking new supply records, but just barely. And the new supply records aren't quite as high as others. Yeah. There is one um, market in here that I think it is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. They they know Houston. um, Yeah. Yeah. There's not really any zoning. So you'd think they'd Mm -hmm. be just building, building, build, building. It's been a hot market for real estate investors. Yeah. There's also been some foreclosures and there's already been some distress in Houston. I don't know if that, is, that, was, that has nothing to do with it, hmm. um, but it, it, it is surprising to see that Houston has not built as much as some of these others. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So their, states. their supply expansion was 3.5%. And um, wow. DFW for as huge as it is, their supply is expanding by 5.4. Austin, yeah. of course, is is expanding by 11.2. Really, really the kind of darling, um, you know, in terms of like the high growth market. It's San Antonio 5.82. It is so really Austin. Uh, Austin is uh, less than advertised. Is that no, 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 no. They're comparing. Oh, they're comparing. Houston. Got it, got it, so, got it. so yeah. comparatively, yeah, like, uh, Houston, it, Houston is like it's kind of flying under the radar. And and, and another thing too is it, what what differentiates this group. Lesson our which also includes Midwest uh, markets like Chicago, Indianapolis, Columbus, Kansas City, is that um, they are kind of these. Uh, they're a stable market, so they could maybe yeah. outperform. In their ba- and their demand story is not um, is not fraught like what we have in, in tier five. Um, so tier five is the minimal supply markets, whereas you know um, four they were building, but maybe they were kind of keeping things stable in terms of demand. Um, but but tier five is a small number of exceptions where supply isn't um, isn't going up. And these are low demand markets that minimize the uh, you know the upside for builders to build there. 
Yeah, there's reasons why people didn't build there. Yeah, well, San Francisco is listed as a as a notable example in here. Um, I, I think that there are probably probably other other ones where uh, you know a, a town. Not all towns grow all the time, and there are you know there are some towns that got the, got the short end of the stick when it comes to you know the economic growth during the pandemic. And um, they didn't get enough uh, PPP dollars. I don't think so. I remember you know Midland and Odessa. I don't oh. know how it's doing now, but I remember that was one of the few markets where it was like they were kind of going down when everyone else was going up mm. now i'll have to re i'll, I'll re-edit this and, and change my tune but you know there are there are exceptions and i think that san francisco is a is a um is worth noting because it's an expensive uh it's expensive market these are markets that where maybe they were already where prices were already so high that it kind of excluded the possibility of additional demand and san francisco has its own idiosyncratic reason you know why yeah. why things are different there but and this is a summary and uh, again to repeat myself along with this useful outline of the differences among the regions it's this idea that supplies increase across the board yeah it's a you know it's, it's a major factor to, yeah. that is why operations are different this year in 2023 than yeah. they have been the past really the last decade or so I and mean, we've experienced the last cycle with minimal supply mm -hmm. it's been ramping up the last several years but relatively moderate um, you know, we were delivering, you know, call it 300,000 units a year, high 200s, you know, low 300s. Now we're at half a million. There's yeah. another half a million. So, I mean, that, that, those are significant increases. Um, and we're already see, we we're seeing weakness uh, across, mm -hmm. across the country. I mean, we still have just crossed our portfolio. I mean, it, it's patchy. We were still seeing some strong growth in some, um, areas at some properties, you know, other, you know, we're, we're not, the rents are going backwards by any means yeah we're not seeing really much meaningful growth just kind of maintaining and getting through some periods of um some units getting delivered and yeah. we're not in high high supply markets either yeah that, that's yeah. the other thing i mean we're in pretty we're in the 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 you know the what is the the tier not the the last yeah, year we're the less than we're, advertised, we're the less than advertised yeah. which we like that that's kind of a good spot to be. We don't yeah, want yeah. to be advertised. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. <laughs> well, you mentioned something about a part uh, about operations yeah. and like what is it that you have to what is it that you have to is there anything that maybe not just like it's a tight squeeze and you got to be more efficient, but our our apartments our leasing agents are they going to have to do extra stuff now? Mm -hmm. They're completely different because they don't have a waiting kind of captive audience anymore. You mean they're getting less traffic? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think so. I, I think this is in a, a period where you could no, you cannot get by with you know setting it and forgetting it mm -hmm. and using the default settings on whatever your marketing plan yeah. is. Um, you know, you can't just assume it's set up and it's doing good enough and you're using your third party. I think it takes some real, like true, like marketing. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, we, we've, we've been doing our own property management for about a year and a half now, man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, been involved in asset management for, you know, we're going on 10 years now. Um, but really taking a deep dive into the property management side and my gosh, Matt, the average in the industry is, is, really pretty embarrassing in terms yeah. of what they're doing for just marketing. And it's really the attention of detail. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it comes down to, there's a lot of delegation that goes on and um, you don't have any necessary marketing experts on the site. Yeah. The regional managers aren't necessarily marketing experts. Maybe the company has a corporate marketing expert. So they're, you know, given a little bit of help here and there, mm -hmm. but it's not a cohesive strategy. Some people do a real, a, a really good job. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just social media, but all of your property management systems 
you know, finding tuning them to create a good experience, a good leasing experience. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I went on and I, and I went just through the leasing process, about a half a dozen properties last week, some of our own, some competitors. Mm-hmm. There are some that are pretty good, but the majority are not good. Yeah. And so it's, you know, people talking about centralization, AI, automation, all good things to be looking at, mm-hmm. but it's the first step is like, are we doing the basics? Yeah. And, and the most surprising thing that is like the easiest thing to do, like the easiest, the cheapest, the fastest is like your, your pictures, like, like, and not, and, and it's not always, you need to take new pictures. Yeah. Sometimes you do, but sometimes it's like, who's uploaded these? Why do you have like a picture of the toilet as the first image yeah. or a picture of like the road? When you yeah. have these pictures of a beautiful clubhouse or a beautiful interior well, shot, yeah, these yeah. just money shots, and they're the like eighth picture in on the photo gallery. Who's taking yeah. the time to go to picture no, eight yeah. on every single It's not even apartment. attention to detail. You just pay attention, you know. It's, it's like it's, they're doing it's like, it, but they're not even they're just going want, through the motions. It, it, some people just need to pay like, and again, yeah. like this sounds like you'd, you'd assume that this is being done, mm-hmm. but it's it's not being done. Well, and and like, I think like if you're too, if you're a, if you're yeah. if you're an investor, mm-hmm. if you're an LP, go to your investor of ours. Go to go to our websites. And this is the easiest thing to do. Just what do the pictures look like? Yeah, and, and not saying I don't. I think we, could we get better pictures? But go, look through the existing photos, mm-hmm. and what order are they presented? Go on apartments.com. Yeah, are sometimes I've seen old pictures of like old units that don't even exist in the property that, you know, yeah. carpet floors run down. Mm-hmm. They're the first five pictures people see. And then there's like a beautiful renovated unit as picture like yeah, six or yeah. seven. What are you, what are you thinking? You can have, if you have some of the older units, yeah, maybe included. If you're uh, looking for a discount. Are, the pictures are in there. They're going to see them. Exactly. It's like they're uploaded. They got the job done. Before they did, you know? When, well, it was like fine the, because yeah. everyone was 100% occupied mm-hmm. and rents were growing 20%. Yeah. A couple last couple of years. Like who cares? How how is the property? You know, here's it doesn't here's even make meeting. sense to pay for this extra effort that's required before exactly. So, but now probably does. It, it should have been done before. Yeah, but you know now it is just glaring at you know its head. Yeah, yeah. it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, because before you know, you you know invest you know your joint venture partner whoever in meeting and you know how's property performance yeah it's performing incredibly well we're a hundred percent occupied mm-hmm. we've rent, re- increased rent we're increasing rents by 15 percent all is good inflation hasn't picked up yet yeah no, well, okay well no no complaints here let's move on to the next versus hmm why are we only at 92 percent occupancy mm-hmm. well, I want to understand this. Yeah. Let's dig into it. Yeah. You shouldn't be waiting. It's a difference between proactive and reactive. Yeah. If you're reactive and you wait till you get to 92, 85%, mm-hmm. now, can you make a change quickly? Like, sure. But it's a lot different from you're always being proactive. Well, and and I'm thinking about it too. Like if there, there, there is a cost, right? Like, and, yeah. and it, and let's say that everyone's already working hard, you know, 100% efficient before you're then that means that you're just probably gonna have to pay. This is a weird situation where even though costs are tight, it may make sense to pay to, to pay more, whether it's man hours mm-hmm. or a service to get leases um, than than before when it was like kind of easy. Yeah, easy. Come. Yeah, it's a lot more yeah. work to get less leases. Yeah, yeah. And you have to spend more on marketing. Um, and your P and the other thing is, you know, the, the training, um, mm-hmm. from the onsite 
folks as well. Yeah, yeah. The units don't always sell themselves. There was a time, and some properties do. They, the units that sell themselves, mm-hmm. the leasing agent steps back, and you know, here are the units, and take them. Yep. But but most in a traditional world or in other sales scenarios, you have to ask for the sale. You yeah, know, you, yeah. you know, you don't. You can't be you know pushy. You need to be you know personable and all mm-hmm. all that. But you gotta kind of gotta close the deal at some point. Yeah, yeah. Like we talk about, you know, these apartments are. Uh, you know, fifteen thousand to twenty five thousand dollar a year purchases. They're not just twelve hundred dollars yeah. a month, like it is, but it's also you know it, it's a mid teen. You know, it's fifteen to twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. you know, per year. You think about now. We don't want to be like aggressive, like a car you know salesman, mm-hmm. but like look at that hustle in the car salesman. They're they're selling a product of very when similar worked, value. When I worked for Bro- trying to get a sale. When I worked for Brookstone, the uh, mm-hmm. you know kind of like Starbucks top tier sales trading. Yeah. Well, you know what we the did? I was not allowed to sell the massage chair, but you know what you we know, did? You didn't have the like, clearance? Didn't have the clearance. <laughs> not for that or the uh, Tempur Pedic bets, but I, I do have a point. We were selling- What training do you need on the massage chairs? <laughs> well, you don't want to kill anyone when they're in there. They'll you put you. them out, people just get in them. If you push the wrong buttons, they'll crush you today. And you just let the kit- Okay, anyway, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, but you know, it, it, they're tracking their sales and, and calling people back for massage chairs. You yeah. can, and they're not just waiting for the phone to call. If it, it is, I think it's the difference between, you know, following up and not following up. And, you know, if you can do it for a, a single massage chair, you can do it for an entire apartment yeah. and, it, and it justifies it. And, and like, it's not, sure. and it's not an inelastic good at this, mo- at this point, because- there's a choice now. It's, you know, it's not full of 100. There's alternatives now. And yeah, it's and, less. Yeah. yeah, it's much less. You still got to find a place to live. Yeah. But yeah, you got you got options. Yeah, you got good options. No, it, it's it's true. Well, um, Matt, I, I want to learn more about um, the the Brook, uh, Brookstone experience. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a little but, bit about the shark, we call them. But oh, that's, a, that's a little forever. But, but it is, a, you know, again, it's a different now we're talking about kind of people and operations. But, you know, um, it was a different time too. Post, post, little bit post great financial crisis. Yeah, this was. Um, were you post undergrad pre? This was. It was about. Uh, I'm trying to remember when. It was exactly. like to 2009, 2009. Yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. This was a little bit during high school. So okay, that's right. It was it was okay. pre financial great financial. It was like 2006. Oh okay yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so never mind. I was, was I was gonna say maybe it's like there was more hustle like post undergrad looking for a job thinking about grad school and like you know just people mm-hmm. are a little bit more hungry that was Could the point be, i was trying to yeah his more i was trying to make is like king there, yeah. were, there were not a lot of jobs to get to be had well my my point was we had these people that it didn't seem like they were putting that much of an effort to sell these massage chairs but at least they were following up yeah. And they were making the sale because they knew all I got to do is call them yeah, a couple times or once every month or, or so. But like, you can't just, you can't just wait for them to make the sale. And, and my, my point was like, it's easy. People have done it before. There's a simple solution. It doesn't even have to be an AI bot answering your leasing calls. If you're just paying attention and making the extra effort and, um, and keeping, yeah. you know, keeping people accountable for when, when maybe they are yeah. just waiting for the phone to ring instead of picking it up. themselves. Yeah. And, and I, not to say that that there's not a lot of great uses and um, functionality of a lot of technologies coming out. Mm-hmm. Like we're super keenly focused on implementing a lot of great yeah, yeah, systems. Yeah. But when we go through it, you know, again, it's like if we look, we can look at the pictures. And I've done that. I've done that from when I was just a you know when I've invested as an LP or when mm-hmm. I you know was investing more as a co GP before we were yeah. sponsoring our own deals. It was it was just like. 
I remember on one deal, we didn't have a website. Like the website didn't even train. Yeah, yeah, there are or, some or, simple or, things. Or, or, yeah, we had the website, but it wasn't That's listed, it wasn't listed on Google. Like there was just yeah. no, we could not find the website. It, like you couldn't find it. Yeah. And I remember occupancy was starting to go down. And I was like, I asked a management call. I'm like, how am I supposed to find the place? Yeah. Like I'm a regular person and this is 2017 uh-huh. or 2016, 2017. I'm like, how am I supposed to find it? Let's say I want to rent, the, like I want to rent this type of apartment yeah. in this part of town. Like how would I know it's there? Unless I just drove by it, which mm-hmm. is, could be the case. So is the plan to just rely on drive-by traffic. Yeah. Which yeah. I we do have a site that that is what we do. Well, no, we have a website and all that, but like we don't do any, there's one site we have one property that, we don't do a whole lot of marketing because it's never needed it. Yeah. But for the most part, you at least have to have a website. Yeah. And it's like, guys, what, what do we think? Or what, are we, what are we doing? We don't need like the fanciest yeah. website. The fan- functionality is good. Mm-hmm. But like, let's, let's get up. Let's get on the World Wide Web and give yeah, it a start. Yeah. A lot of low hanging fruit. But uh, but I uh, to your point earlier, you know, there are some cool, you know, some technologies. And in, in, who's to say that AI does Oh, there's a, oh, there's a ton of room for automation because yeah. it's like, well, what, why r- r- trust, why rely on or assume that the mm-hmm. next leasing agent, there's a high rate of turnover. You think that they're good. They've gone through training, but why are you like flip the coin on? Are they going to do the follow-up or not? Yeah, yeah. When, when like, they're not like, it's not fun. We don't need a human to do the, write the same email over and over again anyway. Yeah. Let's, let's have the humans doing the things that humans can do and the robots can't do like mm-hmm. be a person and, and yeah. can we talk with our mouths yeah yeah, we'll yeah walk with our feet around mm-hmm. be in person with each other and have a person create a personal yeah. connection and relationship with and close like you know ai probably can't do but all the in between like the follow-up is the it, it, so much of sales is follow-up yeah just just make sure that's gonna like mm-hmm. absolutely make sure that's gonna happen there's also manual there, there's nuance to all of this conversation but matt Different world. They've got a report. Yeah. So, um, changing gears a little bit. You know, we were we were talking about the change landscape with new supply, and um, and unfortunately, um, it does seem like, again, we've said fundamentals are, are great. Um, there there is a strong uh, there are strong fundamentals for the apartment market. Largely, twenty twenty four is going to be a limited. Uh, you know, it'll be a limited time where where supply is outpacing demand so much. And the point of this uh, of this October twenty twenty three spotlight from Freddie Mac is a funny spotlight, man. <laughs> I will I will say just the first paragraph is I, I get, I've got a little bit of a kick out of it. But yeah, uh, it. it is millennial household formation has the potential to add another three million households. So we are behind. If you talk about you know where the average millennial is at this point in their lives, um, they are not forming the households that Gen Xers or Boomers would have formed. Um, F- uh, Freddie is uh, Freddie Mac is usually a little bit more um, optimistic about the economy, um, but I want to talk about. But but apart from their kind of they uh, their rosier picture of the economy, I'm I'm really I really want to drill into this household formation thing with <laughs> with the millennials and um, and talk about how. Millennials have emerged from their parents' basement is basically what they're saying. There's a little bit of speculation with children. Here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's what they said. That you know, the typical picture of the millennial is yeah, is uh, living in their parents' basement and achieving life stages at a slower rate than previous generations. Um, as a, as someone that is a millennial and did eat avocado toast today, um, I'm going to. Uh, you were eating avocado toast this morning. Yeah, this and, very morning. Um, ben, so, but Ben, your brother still lives yeah. at your parents' house. That's kind of my yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and he's got some good reasons. Yeah, and they're they're good reasons. He's making saving some money. Um, um, one of them is, is like is that uh, home prices are so high. There are huge yeah. Oh, amount. Yeah. And I'll just name a little bit because the the implication that they say is this the all these three million millennials or whatever you know the deficit is they are poised to become instant home buyers. Mm. Um, they're not just they're not just going to form new households. They're going to flow right into the home buying market. And I don't think that um, I I don't think that that is necessarily the case. Um, well, they, they they probably would like to be, but are. Do they have the ability to be? Yeah, exactly. You know, there there were so many there were so many things that could explain the different attitudes that millennials have towards home buying. the process of their life. They were slammed by the Great Recession, that um, a great housing crisis. Do you think that maybe changed their their idea, maybe on an emotional level or psychological level? Like, oh, I I'm less likely to buy a home now because I lived through the Great Housing Crisis, and then now when pande the pandemic started. It, uh, there was a huge surge in home prices. There's an obstacle right there. I, uh, I saw a statistic um, yesterday, Matt, mm -hmm. that it was basically it was um, looking at the different uh, generations and the amount of time that they've spent um, in times of uh, financial distress or recession. Yeah, and um, millennials mm -hmm. second most amount of time of time of their lifetime spent in, in during a recession. Gen Xers gotten the the, the the short end of the stick. The Gen Xers definitely have have spent like I think it's like closer to nine percent of their like life like lifetime during mm -hmm. a financial some sort of crisis yeah, yeah. Or recession. Millennials, I think it's like six point nine or something. Okay. Boomers, it's like two. Yeah, yeah. know it's a lot longer period of time. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's it's interesting because you know these demographics, these numbers. I mean, this median age of being a first-time home buyer doesn't move around that like much. Yeah, like, like that usually like stays put. And, and and the point that they're making is we've talked about a lot on the show, Matt. Millennials are the largest cohort mm -hmm. of any generation. That peak cohort is like is like thirty three. I thought you know kind of thirty three, thirty four. That was thirty four. Um, but that the largest peak of you know again thirty three year olds are a year away from entering that year where most of them the median time where most of them should be buying a home now i know a lot of them are yeah but um can they in how many years that gets pushed off because mm -hmm. there's probably gonna be a lot of a lot of pent-up demand because of the market yeah those are all renters for a period of time mm -hmm. um probably good for the apartment market for a couple of years yeah um People are going to eventually want to start buying homes. I, I'd imagine. Yeah, now. yeah. But like, are they ever going to be able to? Uh, that and and that's why you know th this idea of the permanent renter underclass, which is uh, you know a uh, fire, is like a underclass, very provocative very, term. Getting some race or you know some class war because I think that there, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, there's some impli The implications is that they're this under that they are under uh, served by the housing situation they may have or maybe they may make a, a voluntary choice that rental housing makes sense because they don't want to buy a house when prices are elevated I wish i had valet trash yeah it, maybe it's the valet trash maybe it's the mobility or all these you know kind of apartment lifestyle but we just saw the we just saw the graph of how much ex how much more expensive uh buying is and renting and if you know if the math doesn't work for for a lot of people they're not going to jump in to buy houses um how long that's going to take and for them it's it, it's not it's not only the math it, it's 
they got to come up with a big down payment. Yeah, now, and and that's I, what I was going to say too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I think you know what Freddie Mac is a new program that allows folks to buy homes like, with five percent now. Mm-hmm. I think it's a new program, so that that certainly helps. I mean, yes, twenty percent is crazy right now, just to come up with. But you just don't have that saved. But still, the monthly payments like you're only going to get approved for so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think uh, enough boomers will retire or move on in this lifetime um, to where millennials will get into some peak earning years and uh, make the Benjamins and buy a home. That's what that's what I'm wondering. Perhaps it's either that or or, or like there's like some kind of at least on the margins. It's hard not to think that there is like a broader cultural movement away from homeownership whether it's by choice or not this is happening yeah. and um and apartment rents are kind of the beneficiary to it although in um i may have mentioned this before but like home ownership is not gonna like eat the lunch of apartment rents usually and this is even in 2020 when we were yeah. talking about this high housing demand is going to kind of it's a rising tide lifts all boats situation. If you know, if there's a lot of demand for single family homes, usually there's a lot of demand for. Apartments. Yeah, when I when I saw the um, the home ownership rate, which had dropped down post great financial crisis, mm-hmm. um, but then it, it was really increasing. But some of the years that it was like the home ownership rate was increasing were some of the best years for apartments. Mm-hmm. And again, it kind of goes back to that first graph we saw on affordability. It's like where apartments were the most affordable were some of the years worst years for apartments. Yeah. Um, but eventually led to, you know, they were, they were just a, like a 24 month leading indicator of you know, the good times ahead. Yeah. Um, that it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting. interesting. And, and like, I don't know, I don't know. The story is not, is not, uh, you know, completely told from millennials. Although, you know, looking back all of these peak moments in their life, you know, into a straddle, you turn 23 or 25, you're entering into the workforce. Well, there's a great financial crisis. You, uh, you know, you entering your home buying years. Well, now you've got the pandemic and, you know, and that this housing affordability crisis, it's hard. If you just map it to these moments of, of the housing market, yeah. then it, you know, it's, it's starting to appear like they're just getting hammered. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I with apologies to uh, to Gen Xers who are frequently, I think, ignored too. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, super solid, yeah. super solid group of. But the people. fluctuations that that you can even but <laughs> the generations that you can even track the ones I know, I yeah, like. yeah, <laughs> some I know. I well, but here, <laughs> but like even just tracking the generations from like ninety six is at the beginning yeah. of this Wall Street Journal chart and like. It, you know, it's it it's going up and down, and that's you know, it is hard to find a clear, stable moment, a stable norm. That's why I wanted to move the this back, uh, you know, that chart back to the beginning in uh for from the Wall Street Journal is like I can't find a a prevailing pattern to these these fluctuations between rents and housing prices. It just and, and sometimes like, there isn't a pattern. You know, yeah, yeah. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there isn't. What I may uh, subtly argue is that this you know these strange patterns is because we're in the middle of a shift of changing housing attitudes, um, and it may not be you know because they want to it may be because they this yeah. they're forced to yeah yeah but good good point man yeah well i know this is a shorter episode than we typically do on the gray report but it was a good one yeah packed full of good oh, information yeah. man i really appreciate you putting this together again leave a comment down below let us know what you think um especially if where matt and i are off base um True. You know, i asked a question on linkedin matt and it really mm-hmm. triggered a lot of people i just i said do cap rates matter 
Well, I, I posted some math. Yeah, I was yeah. like, just no opinions, just but like here's some math that I'm seeing on cap rates. Yeah. Do they matter? So comment below, do do cap rates matter? Do they matter? Did they matter? Do they not matter now? Yeah. Um a lot surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, a lot of syndicators came out of the woodwork and I don't really understand all the comments, but it was sort of that they didn't matter to them. You can ignore them here. But, but you can't. That's good now. Here. But you only can. Yeah, they may matter here. Yeah, but yeah. May not. So let, yeah, let us know. Leave a comment like. Um, if you're a credited investor, you want to learn more about what we're doing at Great Capital. We've got some exciting announcements coming up soon. Get in touch with us. Again, if you're a credited investor, greatcapitalllc.com. There's going to be links below. Um, and also, if you're a multifamily sponsor and um, you're facing a loan maturity and you're looking for some gap equity, give us a call also. We've got some interesting solutions um, to help you out uh, and uh, get yourself stabilized. Totally. Um, got a lot to announce. Gonna, in the next like 30 days, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff happening um, here at Great Capital, here in Indy. So get in touch with us now to just kind of be on the leading edge of that, if mm -hmm. that's something that you're interested in. We'll and always let a few secrets slip. <laughs> you know, well, that that's that's the that's the edge of the, the Gray Report listeners' right. giving right. is that um, let 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 it all out. I can here. see the beginning of the greatest. We don't think ideas anyone's listening, so yeah, we let all the secrets out. This is the birthplace of all the good ideas in the multifamily market. That's a good slogan. Um, <laughs> I, did Jerome Powell say that? I th yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll look into it, but I think he may have. Yeah. Was that attributed to just yeah. just you know email call back email the Federal Reserve and just see if they can get back to us with comments? Yeah, yeah. Um, have we got have we heard back from the uh, the BLS? I think we're still on hold. <laughs> <laughs> um, doing some of the hard work so you don't have to. Appreciate you watching the, the Great Report. We'll catch you next week. Stay safe, everyone.